Okay. Uh, Visceralist Podcast, Episode 7. Uh, Visceralist at gmail.com. Uh, have a guest host. Let's get right into it. Uh, guest host, how's it going? Hello. What's going on, man? Good, good to hear from you. Um, good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming. So this is something I, I haven't really gotten into on, on the previous podcast because my other, my other co-host is not really in the comedy scene, um, that much, which is, which is fine. But you and I have collaborated on a few comedy projects. Um, yeah. you do your own like thing with stand up, and you're, you're all over the place. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, the comedy scene is kind of all over the place. Um, but no, you, you're 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 great. You're doing a lot of cool things. Um, yeah, it's you know I um I have a buddy who so I I met you sort of roughly through the UCB scene, um, yep. which is which is great. UCB like the best improv and sketch programs in amazing in amazing the country. Improv. Yeah. Um. And I've met a lot of great people through that, and various people I've met, you know, uh, they've told me, "Don't talk about the comedy scene <laughs> uh, on a podcast." What, what, what do you? What, what is that supposed to mean? Um, I don't, don't know. Talk about us. It just means that people people just get worried about like peeps, people saying the wrong thing. I mean, I I I'm sort of lucky, and I, and I think you are as well, is that in that like comedy isn't like our main source of income yeah um, we'd probably both like it to be yeah um, but it isn't right now so we you know like if we step on toes I think it's a thing about stepping on toes and you know like comedians are like all really sensitive yeah yeah um, I, I'm but, one of my favorite one of my favorite uh, one of my friends said his favorite competitive sport is being friends with stand-up comedians <laughs> <laughs> and I was like that's so true sometimes yeah do you do you find that well why don't why don't you just start by what what got you into comedy and wanting to sort of pursue it like, oh man seriously? Uh, let's see I don't know um all the way I remember like going all the way back to like when I was in school like elementary school and I would do anything I could to like make the classroom laugh like at my expense you know so like right. if I got in trouble it was worth it if everybody laughed and then, right <laughs> and then um and then it was just kind of one of those things where you always had to, um, it, it was, you, you had all these thoughts, you had this, this thing that bothered you, you had this thing you wanted to get out. Um, and, and, and you're always constantly like searching for that, searching for somebody to like to be talking about it. And the fact that nobody's talking about it, it just drives you to the point to talk about it. And, and right. yeah, yeah. So it, in, especially like living in New York, um, it's everywhere. Like, you know, the, 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 the mic scene is, 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 is booming. There's so many people that are in it so many talented people. So it just kind of drives you to want to be better. Um, and, uh, and, and so like, I kind of got, I kind of got hooked in it that way. And then like you were saying, you know, uh, we met through a lot of, a lot of those UCB people and, um, everybody's like constantly trying to like make something and collaborate. So, uh, it kind of just, you know, it, it uh, it all kind of lined up, especially with like the job I had. And you were saying, you know, that's not a primary source of income. But I I believe that there's like you know two types of money that pays your bills, like money that money that pays the bills and money that's 
sexy. <laughs> you know, huh. most, most people like will tell you that they're, you know, a, a photographer, uh, a street photographer, right. but then, you know, they're making their money actually um, doing like stock photography for Target, you know, um, right, right, but right. one one sounds better. But like, you know, I work in I work in an industry, I work in advertising. So it's like I get to write jokes um, during the day for a paycheck. And then the things I do at night, like stand up and and uh, and writing sketch stuff that helps me get better at um, at what it is I do during the day, but then what I do during the day helps my act and, and, and helps my comedy writing too. So it, they all kind of, they all kind of link together, um, which is, which is really awesome. And I think, I think having something like that, where once one thing that you do supports the other thing that you do and vice versa, right. it kind of turns it all from never really feeling like you have to work because you're doing what you love, you know? Right. Man, yeah, you, you had a lot of thoughts on this. That's good. That's <laughs> I, great. I don't really know. Like, I didn't know where to go, so I was like, I'm just gonna no. That's that's it. awesome. Well, I yeah, and as 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 you're saying, so the the way I got into UCB is kind of funny. Um, I don't know if you remember or if you knew there used to be this um, organization called uh, Third Ward. Okay. Um, which was how to describe it? It's like it was um it was in this warehouse in Bushwick, mm-hmm. and they they had like basically they they like like artsy type classes that they marketed to hipsters <laughs> um <laughs> so <laughs> lots of but like a plaid i'm assuming yeah but like a bunch of them but so i don't know if you remember the group or the show uh whitest kids you know uh-huh um so uh, i don't know how this came across my my email but like i got an email at work um that one of the guys in whitest kids you know was teaching a sketch sketch writing class uh-huh. through third ward Okay. And I was like, oh, like I, and I'd kind of been like, you know, I, I like in, in my career, like I gotten kind of complacent. I was kind of looking for something. I didn't really know what, but I, I was like, oh yeah. I like, I know that sketch group. Like they're pretty, they're pretty decent. And yeah, yeah. Dude those are the is, SBA guys, right? Were they? I think so. I just remember they started out, they used to um, have like a weekly show at Cake Shop. Um, and then they got that TV show on IFC. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, 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 for sure. That's 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 dope. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Let me. I was gonna, and I was this close to signing up for it, but then I was like, why don't I see if there's any other like sketch writing classes in yeah. fucking New York City? Yeah. And so like I did my Googles, and I was like, oh yeah, UCB. I've heard of them. Oh, they they have sketch classes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So I I signed up for a sketch class, and man, like I I never looked back. Like I went through. The, the full sketch program, full improv program. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. Let, like, me, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Sure. When you signed up at UCB, did it help you um, be a better writer or were the thoughts already there and then it just helped you organize it more? So yeah, that, yeah that's a great question. So I, so as, so this podcast is visceralist podcast. So, Visceralist is my website. I did a uh, like a humorous bar review site for years, yeah. Um, just to sort of sharpen my, my comedy writing, but it was in a very particular niche. Um, but yeah, like I had no idea like how to write sketch. Like I, yeah. even though I was a huge fan of sketch, um, I had no idea how to write it. And like <laughs> they teach you like a like a very particular format um, yeah. that they adhere to. They're pretty strict about it too. Yeah. Um, but it works, and and actually, I'd say like um, the improv 
classes were, were, were maybe more valuable because they, they sort of taught me to think about my interactions with people in a, in a slightly different way. Yeah. And my, my one-on-one teacher was Jordan Klepper, uh, who's oh, on the Jordan. show now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend you, you should take an improv class. I keep telling you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the, um, because you know, uh, through, I mean, I mean, you and I working together, um, it's funny that you said, you know, like uh, the whole thing about not knowing how to write sketch, but a lot of it really comes from, you know, that, that main, like that thing you wanted to work on, you know, like I, I had, like, I remember that fireball spot that you and I, you and I did. Right. And it just, it all started with uh, a really just simple concept of, I keep seeing all these Cialis commercials everywhere and somebody should just make a parody of those. And right. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, so many people make you know tropes everywhere, but like at the same time, it's like, all right, this is, I I, I have this I have this liquor that always always made me feel like shit, and then you have this you know medication commercial where it basically gives you just as many side effects as it right side effects, and it has like benefits, and then I was like those things kind of link together, and then you know I knew that you were working in the scene, and I was like, hey man, I got I got this concept, and then you really really helped because of what, you know, you learned in UCB and stuff, you really helped like move that yeah. along. But like, I had no real idea like how to get started, but like, at least I think the biggest challenge for me was just like starting a script and then finishing it. Right. And then once, you know, like so many people I hear, like, you know, you start it and then you just don't want to even, you can't even get it done. And I think like getting it done is so important because then you have like a thing, you know, and, and you yeah. can always edit, you can move it and, and then we had a couple, you know, writers groups, like, you know, we all sat down and people gave notes and stuff. And that was, that was so much fun. And I was like, man, this is fucking, this is what I love doing. And uh, I really tried to implement that, especially into like, you know, uh, uh, writing, writing ads during the day, like turning group sessions or concepting sessions into like writer's room style things, you know, right, where right. everybody, and it just makes, it makes it work better. But um, yeah, I would, I would definitely, you know, want to want to give that a go but like i actually just finished reading that uh you ever read on writing by stephen king um it's like his it's like a man of it's like a memoir of his life and then he just kind of like gives um yo that guy okay we we can we can say i got comments on him but mm -hmm. my answer is my answer is no i haven't read it (laughs) well i would i would highly recommend it but he kind of just talks about how there's no there's no real process in, in getting started and there's no real, like if you ever ask like a sketch person, like where their ideas come from and where the inspiration comes from, it doesn't really come from anywhere. It's like you're in the shower, you're walking down the street, you're listening to music and all of a sudden just something hits you and you just kind of go from there. And, uh, uh, and I, I think, and I, I love like the improv attitude about, you know, getting a, getting a concept going, you know, UCB really does that. Yes. And yes. And, kind of you know mentality where you don't say no to anything and I think that really helps uh, move things along but you know um, Stephen King really uh, uh, just talked he was like there's no rules to this there's no secret behind any of this um, just you know all you need is a situation you need a good description and 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 dialogue is really where the art comes in because it's you know it's hard to like craft a conversation between two people when you're writing and then when you actually see people acting it out you're like this doesn't feel right you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, yeah, gotta, totally. No, no, I lo- I love that um, because you know I'm I'm a creative type, um, and you know that that remind like his saying that like reminds me of um, 
when I used to be really into music and like playing and like recording songs and being in bands and shit. And it's just like, just go, just like start doing something and yeah. like something will come of it. And, you know, I'm thinking about my, my next projects that I want to work on. And like, I have, I, I've been a little frustrated because I have like four or five ideas yeah. that I kind of like, you know, I have like, I really like the idea, but like I, then I sit down to write a script and I have this other thing that that's a little bit more solid with, with a buddy of mine, but, um, so we'll see that. Like I just, but I, I guess the point is like, I like keeping active and like, yeah. that's, you, you have to do that. I think, I think it's always really, um, I remember like when we wrapped up our project, like we already had eight or nine more ideas, like, uh, following before we were even done with that project, you know what I mean? So it's always right. like important to know your next, know your next project that you're going to be on or know, know the next thing that you're doing. Um, I think that's, that's, uh, it keeps you, it keeps you moving, but also at the same time, it's really, it's really inspiring because you're just like, oh, I made this one thing. And then you just want to keep making stuff. I remember when we, when you and I got done shooting that day, like I was walking home and I was like, I can't believe like there, there were so many obstacles we went through that day <laughs> oh, like, yeah. and, and like, you know, the camera wasn't working and I was like, well, oh, like, this is, yeah. you know, like we went through, we went through like a table read and we got all these people together and just like, or like when you, we had like fucking eight people in our spot and, uh, and like yeah. so much could, that could have gone wrong. And once it was done and we like had some beers to celebrate at the end, like I remember walking home and was just like in, in awe and was like, I want to keep doing that because that feeling of yeah. getting something You're together getting it and done. making it yeah. and getting it done. Like you must, I don't know, like if you've, um, on your past episodes, have you talked about your web series yet? Um, I haven't, I can, I can get into that. I didn't know if you wanted to get into that. Yeah. But yeah. No, that's I, I always, I was always really interested in how you got that thing started. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'll say like, so I, I did a, um, for, for the listeners, um, you and I collaborated on a, on a parody video that I'll put in the, I'll put the link in the notes oh, cool. for this, this episode. Um, and I have also done a couple web series and, the most recent one I did was was fairly elaborate, and the biggest challenge was um, I. <laughs> and it's funny, like as I was writing it, I was like, I got a little cocky because, like, I was like, it's a it's a rom com, and like it's four episodes, and each episode is a different date, and it, the first three dates are coffee shop, bar, and restaurant, and I yeah. was like, oh, I'll be able to get a place to shoot <laughs> at. Um, it's, it's simple. Yeah, I know, I know. I, mean, I live yeah, in Lower East Side. They know me in Lower East Side. I'll just, I'll come up. I'm doing them a favor in a way. Yeah. In a way. And then I got turned down left, right, and center. And actually, um, there's this place, um, maybe I shouldn't say, I won't say the name, but um, I'm going to identify it anyway. So Lena Dunham, um, her she did a movie yeah. called Tiny Furniture. Mm -hmm. And she... Uh, she's from New York and she shot part of that. Like the, I don't Have you seen it? I haven't. I see, I see Lena Dunham on the train all the time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's really, uh, uh, she was one of those people that always, you know, embraced living in, in Bushwick and it came through in her writing too. I, I think she's great. Yeah. No, like I, I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm a fan of girls, but, uh, so anyway, she, uh, she shot at this bar in the Lower East Side. Um, and I, I went there. I mean, I, I assume like she had a budget for that. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie, so, um, right. 
Zoom. So I asked, I asked them, and they were very, very nice in, but they in turning me down. That's actually like one of the more pleasant rejections I've I've gotten. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so yeah. So, but the thing is, like, at that point, I had already like casted, right, like numerous like rewrites and shit, like mm-hmm. table reads, and like I really needed to come through with a mm-hmm. with a venue. Um. And I I knew I just needed one venue because depending on how you shot it, you could make it look like a like a coffee shop bar. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um. But man, I was scrambling and. It's funny the um, the the venue that I wound up getting uh, is is near where I live, and I just happen to be walking back actually from a UCB show. <laughs> Do you remember and, which show? Uh, it it was a Monday night show, so it was probably a mod show. Oh, sweet. Um, and yeah, I was coming back, so probably like walking back at eleven. And this guy was actually pulling down the grate on the bar, and I was like, "Oh, hey, um, so I I live around here." I'm a Lower East Side guy. Um, I I have this web series I want to shoot, and he's like, like I had to do like an like an elevator pitch. Yeah, like he had like 20 seconds, and he's like yeah. on his way home. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That, was exactly. it was it the owner? Yeah, yeah luckily it, oh it turned God. out to be the owner, and he's like, it, he was like, mm, this seems interesting. So he reopened the bar, and he's like, come in, come in, let's get a tell me more. And uh, yeah, I gave him a more elaborate pitch, and like he was on board. Like we oh, shot, cool. we shot there for free. So, but yeah, that's like the hustle. And like you know, in in the moment, I was super stressed out. But like looking back on it, I'm like, man, like yeah, like getting that shit done is yeah. really cool. That I mean, out of all like the 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 spot that we went with to make like the one that you and I made, we went with outside because it was it was too hard to find. The venue and like you know and it, it, you you don't really think about it you're like oh yeah we'll get it you know this one day but then you know half of your half of your cast has to work yeah you know? and like half of our cast like had to leave work to like come be in this spot they were nice enough to to do that to do that um exactly. because you know especially like in in new york and brooklyn and stuff like shooting on the weekends all the streets are always overcrowded and stuff so we right. had to do it like on a monday or, or a tuesday like morning when you know there's only like the only thing we have to be worried about is field trip classes walking by which ended up happening right after right after exactly yeah and there's like a concert that was i mean i will say we got really really lucky yeah that was with all that 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 shit and and then and then i i loved it i loved when you when you finished your when you finished your uh uh, web series and 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 premiered that and then you let me you let me open up uh i did about five minutes of jokes Right um, in front of, of a whole room, whole room of UCB people. That was that was that was sick. That's great, man. Yeah, yeah. How uh, how's how's it, how's stuff going after that? For what are you like um, on your next project and 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 get you you received like, some uh, good feedback? Of, and... I mean, yeah, no, I I did I did get some some good feedback. Um, I'm you know the th- the thing is when you do like uh, like a thing like that it's yeah. you can pitch it to to film festivals um, like I mean I don't have an agent mm-hmm. um, it's it's and like I, I really feel like it's another stepping stone to like my next project which I yeah. hope to be like like super legit yeah um, but yeah. you know I'm, I'm doing the shit on a budget so yeah for sure that's that's actually like I would just wanted to 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 to, to say that really quick like like how when I was talking about before, like how everything 
everything that I do and I recommend other people do, like how all of all the like everything should be like in full circle with all of the like your work, you know, your passion projects. And like that spot wouldn't have happened if I didn't work in advertising. Right. The, the, the cast I had wouldn't have happened if I didn't, you know, infiltrate like uh, facility or uh, uh, hang out with like all these all those UCB people that I've met. And right. then I wouldn't have got the chance to do, you know, five minutes of jokes in front of really great people if I didn't like do stand up, you know what I mean? So it's like it yeah. all like all of it kind of came in and I did it like Chappelle style where you know you do the jokes and then you lead up to the spot. Like it was kind of like a exactly it was kind of like a little dream sequence. So that was that was sweet. Yeah. Um so cool. That that's that's good. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm not like this podcast thing, like I you know, the intro is pretty short and sweet and like I moving segueing into other topics is not maybe my forte, but oh, do your thing, man. You got to learn. We have a list of topics and we're going to yeah. get through them. We're going to, we're going to keep our heads down and, and push through. So, uh, but this next one is, is hol- holiday movies is a topic mm-hmm. and we are in the holiday season, uh, comedic movies that there's, there's your link right there. Um, but you know, as I was doing some research for this, I, I mentioned, uh, Halloween movies, obviously there's plenty of those, uh-huh. Christmas movies, obviously plenty of those, but there's not that many Thanksgiving movies. Right. Until mm-hmm. I, all right, sorry, I didn't know of that many until I did a little research online, and it turns out the reason that nobody knows about any Thanksgiving movies is because even though there are some, they're all terrible. <laughs> So here's a list I found of the nine best, the nine best Thanksgiving movies. Okay. Okay. So I'll go a few of the, not all of them, but a few of them. Um, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Okay. From 1973. Uh, Adam's Family Values, mm-hmm. which was the sequel. Oh, that's a good one. To the Adam's Family movie. Yeah. The first one was good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is a movie called National Lampoon's Thanksgiving Family Reunion. Okay, that uh, one's I mean classic instant. No, no, it's not. No, no, it's from, it's from 2003. Okay, and Judge Reinhold is a star. Okay, okay, yeah, uh, and then Jack and Jill. Okay, yeah, the Adam Sandler movie. Yep, yep, got it. That I believe is the leading Razzie award-winning record holder okay yeah so let's see here that's cool that's a, that was a good look i don't even know i can't even tell you a, a, a thanksgiving movie at the top of my head besides charlie brown's thanksgiving <laughs> yeah it, it is i mean it's for such a big holiday it is weird that there's not really like a go-to thanksgiving movie right um but uh for halloween so i just want to hit halloween and christmas really quick so mm-hmm. halloween um, the the recent um, movies they've they've since ended uh, is the Saw series, mm-hmm. and I remember when Saw came out, the first one was in two thousand four, and the reason I remember that is because my girlfriend at the time and I went out, we were going out for a movie, and it was choice between Saw and Primer. Yeah, do you know Primer? <laughs> no, Primer is one of yeah. <laughs> Primer is like an art house um, tra- time travel movie that's like really with really hard science. 
Um, it's one of two movies I've ever seen in my life where I literally had no clue what was going on throughout. Oh man, the, the whole you, thing. You said you said the second you said saw, I just instantly thought of that uh, that living with Jigsaw sketch. Do you ever see that? No, where is that? Literally, uh, they create you know that little puppet character in the movie with yeah, like, yeah, yeah. face. They personify that character, and he has the voice of Jigsaw. And okay. he like, lives with a guy, and it, like it starts with like Jigsaw and like two dudes like sitting in a living room, and one guy's like, "What's it like living with Jigsaw?" <laughs> and really? the other guy's like, "The other guy's like, not as cool as you think." Is <laughs> it something like Funny or Die or something? Yeah, yeah, and like the whole rest of it uh, is just basically Jigsaw like putting the guy in situations where he would like wake up in the middle of the night and he's like, "You're completely surrounded by mouse traps." Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a good impression. <laughs> People are. People are so ungrateful to be alive. I mean, the first you've seen Saw, like the first yeah, one, right? That movie was really good. And that movie was insane, dude. Like, it, I never, I didn't, I didn't see that ending coming, like at all. Yeah. So uh, we went to see this uh, artsy movie, and it, I mean, it was. T- she was so disappointed in me. Like the look she gave me <laughs> as we were leaving was like. You really took me to see this. You were no longer a man. So that really, uh, that really came out. That really came out during, like, during like the Thanksgiving season. Well, Halloween. Halloween or Halloween? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, but yeah, and then they, I think they kept putting them out like every every year in Halloween. It was a franchise, man. People got hooked. Exactly. Um. Yeah, and the, you know, those contraptions. I mean, Jigsaw is like, I, I don't, I'm not really responsible for their deaths. They make a choice, which is. <laughs> they, make a, they make a choice. I, find, I put them in the situation with this master engineered circumstance, but like they wouldn't have been in that situation if he didn't put them in it. Yeah, like, dude, you did kidnap them. And... He kidnapped them and then forced them to kill themselves. <laughs> like. <laughs> What am, pretty guy's sure su- that, guy's I'm such an asshole. Pretty, pretty sure that consists of murder. He's such an asshole. He's like a like a Twitter troll. That would ruin your day. He's a real life Twitter troll. Yeah, yeah. Um. So then, moving to Christmas. Um. What's your What's your favorite Christmas movie? I would have to say Scrooged with uh, Bill Murray. Oh wow! I was I was not expecting that. That Have you seen it? Uh, I have. It's, uh, explain. It is basically Bill Murray is a film executive uh, for a major TV franchise. Uh, and does that even make sense? I just heard that out loud. Major TV. He worked for like a TV, <laughs> major TV. He worked for a TV channel. He worked for the station. And uh, basically, basically, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. Way, worked his way to the top, um, and was the president. You know and. He was greedy. He made his employees work overtime, and then it was Christmas. He didn't give anybody bonuses and stuff. And you kind of became like a real life version of Scrooge, um, and didn't have Christmas spirit at all. And then eventually, he gets visited, um, or like an old boss yeah. that promotes him to pre- that promoted him to president like a long time ago, who died um, in the past. Yeah, uh, comes back and like visits him, and is like, "You're going to be vi- visited by three ghosts." So it's like all these people, like you know. Yeah, yeah, like it's a fairy like, comes and like, visits him, it, like all of the same style of ghosts, like the Christmas past, Christmas present, and then Christmas future. 
Um, so why well, why though is that your your favorite? Uh, I used to watch it with my dad all the time, um, and I love Bill Murray. Uh, and like it's just it's it's the peak of you know his his uh, success in his youth, and um, I, I I don't know I just watch it every single year and and I laugh every time. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I'd, I'd have to say, I mean, the first thing that pops in my head is, um, oh, fuck, what is it? A Christmas Story? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's what it's called, right? That's the title? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the reason is because I saw it when I was really young, um, and that scene where the kid gets his tongue stuck oh, on, yeah. the, on the thing traumatized me like you would not believe. And I think it's because they, sh- they showed it to me like – like I was in an after-school program in like yeah. elementary school, and they showed it to us, and I was so terrified. But I was like, "That is one of the scariest things I can even imagine." And then, like, they had us go out like for like recess, and like kids, they were like, "We should try that." <laughs> and I think they were trying to get me to do it, and I oh, was no. like, "No." Did they did they triple dog dare you? I mean, they could, they could, you know, they could triple dog dare me. This is gonna be a fight. Yeah. If it, if they put their hands on me. Oh man, I can't. I'm I'm picturing it in my head right now. But isn't that like that? That that, that, that movie's like pretty fucked up. I mean, it is pretty. Fu- if you really think about it, like there's no way that they could release that as like a new movie in like today's PC world. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, but also like, the thing that bothered me about that movie was how old the dad was. <laughs> and how, and how young the kids were. And you were like, dude, this, like that time in that era. You know like, what? I never fucking thought about that. That is a great point. He was old as fuck. Yeah. And like parents in that day and age, like had kids when they were like 18, 19 years old. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and, and he was probably pushing, you know, mid mid forties, mid fifties. I don't know how old he was in that, uh, when that came out, but, um, I never thought about that when I was a kid. And, uh, and my stepdad pointed it out to me when we were, uh, one, that holiday, never even occurred. one holiday season. Yeah. And that's why a lot of parents don't like it as much as kids do, especially from that era. But, um, but you know, now it makes even more sense because people are waiting longer and longer to have kids. So it doesn't, seemed like a big deal but at the time it, right. I think I think most parents were like what the yo that was that was his second secret family yeah, <laughs> his, yeah other, he, his other his other family was in Long Island <laughs> Westchester oh man all those business trips in that 914 <laughs> all those business trips oh I gotta go oh no yeah I'm, I'm gonna have to go to Schenectady uh, for, I, for two months yeah I like I like Elf too <laughs> Elf Farrell. Oh, you know I've never seen that. Um, I every single every single time. There's this one scene where he tries to get up. Like I mean, it's the whole premise of the movie is you know Will Ferrell's an actual um, elf from the North Pole, right? But he was a little when he was a, like a baby, he was accidentally taken to the North Pole. So he was like the same size as all the elves, you know, as a kid. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden he started growing and he got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, uh, and then they were like, you know, his, his real dad, like, you know, lived, uh, and was like a successful finance guy or banker or something like that. And yeah. he goes back to, 
to to the to the real world to visit him and but he's like still has this mentality of that of being an elf and you know how will ferrell can get with like you know improvisation yeah, and stuff yeah. um and my favorite scene was like he tries to get on this escalator but he had never been on an escalator and doesn't understand the concept that stairs move and, <laughs> and, and he puts his first like foot on it and then it starts moving up and he but he keeps his back foot planted and so it's like his legs like get wider and wider oh uh, yeah it, it cracked me up but uh yeah you should you should check that out this year no that's great like that that reminds me actually of, of two two things i wanted to bring up um laugh out loud moments in like sick comedy tv shows or movies um I think it, the only recent one I can remember in a movie was um, another Will Ferrell movie, the uh, the other guys. Uh huh. Did you see that? I didn't see that one. No. There's a scene where uh, so he plays a cop uh, with Mark Wahlberg as his partner, and like he, okay. like they're they're investigating some shit, and like they have to go to like the impound lot, like the cop impound lot, and because there's a car they have to investigate and like uh, Rob Riggle is there and like he's like another cop who just investigated and he's like he goes on and on about like all the like apparently like some homeless people were like fucking in the car and there's all this like residue and shit and (laughs) he just keeps riffing like for like a solid like 90 seconds straight and like I had to stop I was watching it on Netflix I had to stop the movie because I was laughing so fucking hard oh man that's it awesome was, i gotta was... i need i need to see that yeah um what was that have you seen the the i, I was just watching uh silicon valley yeah and a lot of ucb I, guys in there. a lot of ucb guys fucking tj miller is uh i was actually just in la for a shoot and saw like zach woods just wandering around like he, he followed us from one See like, lost. I, you know, he was talking to like a group of people we saw, but then I realized he's a, he's a, he's a UCB guy. Yeah, he's a UCB guy. But like, that's the thing about LA too is like most of these people in these shows like aren't like r- ridiculously successful. You know, like yeah, so yeah, yeah. they just live in like normal houses and 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 you're going about your day or you're at like a restaurant. Same in New York too. Uh, you know, you just see people everywhere. But oh um, yeah. But he was just he went to like a. Uh, like a, they don't have bodegas there. They like have like a like quick marts, like twenty four hour grocery stores. Um, and uh, he was, his hair was like all over the place, and um, and he was buying, uh, he was he bought like fruit snacks or something. It was like it was so it was so ridiculous, and it was like it was like two in the morning, and and I'm there. We're about to go to a house party, so we're, we bought beer, and and, uh, and he was like too. Um, did he ask you? And he yeah, asked he, if like he can come with you. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, we didn't talk to him. Uh, I, I took out my phone though, and I was about to uh, snap a picture of him. And uh, the grocery store chick was like, "That's mean if you take a picture of somebody." And I was yeah, like, <laughs> what? Yeah, what are you doing? Don't do that. <laughs> oh man, it was it just like it was surreal. But anyways, I was watching, I was watching Silicon Valley, and there was this one scene. Um, I think it's like the second to last episode on the first season, and they go to like this big tech convention and. Um, they're going up against this basically like this parody of Google. It's called Hooli. And, um, and uh, all these, all these nerdy tech people like don't really care about uh, what the stage looks like when they present, they just get up with a microphone and say a bunch of you know, right. really nerdy things and nobody, you know, but TJ Miller, he's like this super douche character. And um, you find out earlier in the episode that one of the judges uh, um, that's like, ranking all of the people that are presenting that day uh, is 
um, like TJ slept with his wife. <laughs> and then, but then he finds out later from his new wife that he got divorced uh, and it's fine and everything's fine. But then he ends up sleeping with the new wife on the show. And he it just gets super TJ Miller. Like uh, uh, there's like lights yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it's like super dark and it's like kind of like this like Steve Jobs presentation. And he's like in a world where, you know, modern technology, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, like the judge <laughs> tackles him. <laughs> and I never, I haven't laughed that hard uh, in a really, really long time. And then it like cuts and that's the end of the episode. But um, <laughs> I think that's, that's one of my great. favorite moments, yeah. That's great, yeah. No, the, I had um, the only, I'd say the only laugh out loud moments I've had in, in 2016. Because, you know, I mean, you and I, we consume a lot of comedy. Yeah. You're not, you, you can appreciate something that's good, you do. but you don't necessarily bust out laughing. Yeah. Um, but the, the two things are um, Drake hosted SNL, <laughs> and he, there's this like rental car sketch. Uh huh. Um, I didn't see the Drake one. I only saw the uh, uh, the digital short that he did. Yeah. So the the short was decent, but like the, he did this really bizarre like rental car where he plays like a just a guy working in a rental car agency. Mm-hmm. It's just like completely incompetent. But like he has this weird like affect and like Jafer. I I'll send you. I'll send you. I'll put the link in the notes. <laughs> so that I was I was dying laughing. Like I hadn't like I had to like. And of course I'm like in bed just watching it. With yeah. my laptop, but like I had to move my laptop and I had to like turn on my side because I was worried. Like I was getting cramps. I was cramped. My, I think my 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 torso was cramping. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know the technical term. Um, ch- chestal region. Now, um, yeah. the other, the other, the only other thing was, um, uh, do you know the show? You're the worst. No, no. It's really, really good. I, I recommend it. But there's a uh, there's a couple I'm on it. For shows to watch. And, and oh man! Well, we'll start from the beginning though. Um, okay. It's, uh, the, se- the third season just ended. Um, but there's a couple who's going through like um, like a like a really heated argument about a divorce that they're going through. Yeah. And in the middle of that, the the woman's uh, sister texts her. Um, uh, she just had a baby, and so she she texts some baby pics, and so it sort of like, you know, puts a puts a pause on the argument, obviously. And the main characters are sort of listening in, like from, yeah. from the door, and like someone's like, "What what is what are they talking about? I can't hear. What are they? Well, and she's like, she's just reciting the spoken word parts from Lemonade. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that is so random. That's genius. That's really funny. Uh, I got. I have to check that out. Yeah, I've been. I've been. I just finished. Uh, I just finished Billionaires, or Billions. Oh um, yeah. How and, is it? Uh, they, they, dude, the show is the show is sick. They actually um, uh, filmed a, a scene from the next season on my block, and and. Uh, oh cool. Yeah, it was crazy. Like some of the cast was like sitting on my stoop, um, and uh, I was walking my dog, and everybody was like trying to trying to pet my dog. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Oh, uh, man. Um, like Paul Giamatti and stuff. But um, you, you were talking about like SNL scenes. I really liked that. Uh, what was that season finale last year with Fred Armisen? Yeah. When um, they did that Farewell, Mr. Bunting. Oh, is that the um, the Dead Poet Society? The Dead Poet Society spoof, yeah. yeah. And then they, you know, they're all like, I sing the song. 
and then Pete Davidson's head gets like just it gets off. chopped off. Yeah. <laughs> like I was watching that at work, and it caught me off guard so much. Like I just I got like choked up. I like spit my water out, and everybody was like just staring at me. It was hilarious. <laughs> Like, how dare you laugh at something <laughs> during the work day? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna do it. I have a deaf segue here to our right, next let's topic. Let's do it. So speaking of work, with work, you get money. And with money, you spend it at fancy restaurants. Oh, do 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 So uh, the reason I bring this up is because there's a restaurant. I live in Lower East Side. Yep. Um, there's a restaurant called Contra that just got a Michelin star. Um, I haven't heard of it, but... Sounds amazing. Big deal. Yeah, big deal. Big deal. Getting you, uh, Contra? Contra? Contra, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, like the like the video game. Yeah. Um, they don't take the Konami code. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm gonna eject on that joke right now. Um, you, you have an edit. You haven't. You can edit this. I'm gonna edit that out. You have. You have the power. I'm just gonna edit like a big bleep. <laughs> like just a long, like really disturbing. What? Oh, okay. Uh, so Contra, what? What kind of food is it? Um, I don't know. That's and that's the thing. It's like you know, like I'm not like a fancy smancy restaurant dude. So my my older sister used to live here, mm-hmm. and she was she was she was doing things, and so she went to fancy restaurants, and she would sometimes take me. So the only times I've been to fancy restaurants in New York is is like with her or like like maybe like a like two or three dates with like a serious girlfriend yeah um and like you know i don't know like i grew up in the midwest it's not really like they don't really do it like that there you know yeah. with like spending like 30 40 dollars for like some really small portions of something yeah yeah you get you, you spend like 14 bucks and you get like a little mini pork leg and it's two bites yeah yeah um, it's the scene, Cal. So what? Is, so what do you? So you? What, what are your thoughts on restaurants? How? Let me let me start like this. How often are you going to a, like a restaurant for like an actual like, sit, sit down dinner? Um, so let me see here. I that there's a couple. I mean, the thing I love about New York is you can get the best experience from an unknown restaurant that is never like been in you know in the media or anything because there's so many of them right um and you know you could be in soho walking around and all of a sudden you're like in olita and there's just this you know quintessential like tiny italian hole in the wall it sounds like it sounds weird but like it's kind of true you know in some basement and then you know you're eating like dinner at candlelight and it's you know freaking Eighteen dollars, you know, for you and your girlfriend, you know, for like right. two, for like two things. Um, but at the same time, you know, you can go, you can go all out. So I, I, I eat out a lot, but I don't eat at fancy restaurants very right. often. Um, I just went to where was that place? Uh, Dirty French, in Lower East Side. Oh yeah, um, that was that was pretty expensive, uh, mostly because of the cocktails, because they were like. Yeah, so it's in that. Um... It's that's a hotel, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and pretty, yeah, pretty. I mean, you know, and I mean, there's 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 some areas that I really like. Uh, Spotted Pig, I think mm-hmm. it's like my favorite hamburger in town. Um, there's a there's a really good. I think. Um, have you heard of Aria? A R I A. No, where is it? Um, so that that's in West Village, and you can get pasta dishes for like twelve bucks a piece. 
Um, and then pretty inexpensive like wine uh, and the experience is like first come first serve. So everybody kind of shares tables with each other. Right. Um, but like the environment and the atmosphere, like this is what I was talking about. Like you can go and find these places and you'll get the experience of, uh, there's a really good episode of uh, a comedian in cars getting coffee with Lauren Michaels, where he talks about um, the cool thing about New York is like, nobody really brags about how good they are. Um, because well, like other, 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 because other restaurants, other restaurants, like in other cities will always say like, it's as good as a New York restaurant. Oh, oh yeah. Because, like restaurants in New York, they don't have to say they're as good as anything. Cause they are, they're just, right. good. and a lot of like, I, I, I had a friend in Minneapolis that started a, a restaurant that was inspired by uh, one of, you know, those meatball chains, like meatball, meatball shop. Yeah. Meatball shop. And you know, where you like, and, and they only serve meatballs and, uh, sandwiches of different, you know, different variety and stuff. But um, like that concept would never work in like in Wisconsin it, because people are too threatened. They want their regular hamburger. They want like, right. the, the dish of pasta. But like you know, the second you see meatball only, you're like, oh, I don't like that. But you can yeah, do like that. a like a boutique type place that's like we're just doing meatballs, but we're doing like the best meatballs. Yeah, you- yeah. And and I I forgot who uh who I just saw at this at the cellar. He he had a joke about that and he was like New York is the only place where you can have a fucking uh, a, a shop that just makes cupcakes yeah. <laughs> and survive successfully. <laughs> you know? Yeah, a like shop there's like, like yeah, you know, there's, like, there's so much of everything. Um that's a, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of that is like just population density. Yeah. Um you know, this is I, I, I guess you could compare it. Like LA is probably bigger if you consider like all the it's like bigger, but it's way, way more spread out, dude. When I was when I was there, I took like an average of like fourteen Ubers a day, because Jesus. you can't you can't fucking you can't walk anywhere, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you can't, and it's like and and they take and they take uh, uh, jaywalking seriously, you know? Like here, what? you can like you can like cross the street. Wait, 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 If a police wait, officer what, sees what, you cross what? the street. If you're like walking down like Santa Monica Boulevard and like cross the street when nobody's there, like if a cop sees you, he will give you a jaywalking ticket. That why? <laughs> Taxes? I don't know. They gotta pay money. They gotta cover those. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've so I've never been to LA. Um, okay. I've I sort of want to go, and I have some friends that live there that I could probably I don't know maybe crash with. I don't know. They have kids now, so maybe yeah. not. But. Um, I know I've heard the hipster neighborhoods are what Silver Lake, Silver Lake, yeah, and what's the other one? I don't know. I stayed in West Echo, Hollywood. Echo Park. Echo Park. I literally, it was like a the, my entire experience there was like a like the the, uh, the 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 plot for not the plot but like the setting for the the movie Swingers, where they they oh, go up, they go up in the, they go up in the hills and and uh, go to somebody's house party and it's like their parents' house, and yeah, that place like is we, dead. that place is dead anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we showed up at somebody's house and and I thought it was I was like man this place is beautiful and then I started looking at the art on the wall and the people that were there and I was like nobody at this party would own that piece of art that's hanging right here like this is somebody's parents' house you know that for right right and then it starts getting weird and and you see people that you're hanging out with who have been in all of these commercials and they're asking you if the chick across the room is looking at them (laughs) I was like yo I gotta get I gotta get out of here. Yeah, I don't really know uh, what, we, what we were, 
what that came from uh, uh, <laughs> and what we were talking about. We're still in the fancy restaurant talk. Still in fancy restaurants. Okay. So I think – so the fanciest place that I've been is – fuck, it's not even that fan. I mean, well, yeah, okay, so it's Michelin star. It's called Boulet. It's in uh, it's in Tribeca, and I actually had to get dressed. Up. Oh, that's a big reason I don't go because I don't want to get dressed up to go mm-hmm. to these places. That's that's a thing though, in, in especially in New York, dude. You can I've been to some of the fanciest restaurants here, and just you know, you and I both like to wear hats everywhere, right? And we like to wear sneakers and stuff, and and right. I've never been turned down at any restaurant except like a plate, you know, like unless you go. To, to the cut in you know Midtown or something, but right. you know most of these restaurants you can go and sit and nobody will ever give you any beef about what you're wearing. That's what I love about this. Yeah. City. Well, I mean, Boule was not was not ha- they were not having the, the hat. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't feeling it. They didn't know about the Lower East Side streetwear. Uh, <laughs> like I roll up in there and the coolest shit. They, they don't even know. They don't even know what's going on. Um. So there's that and like I mean. Per- Per se is probably the most expensive restaurant in the city. Um, yeah. I believe that they have a tasting menu. It's like five hundred or two, three hundred or something. Why? Why did you go there? Oh no, I didn't go there. Um, oh, you didn't. Okay. I have a buddy um, who works in finance, and he's gone there a couple times. Finance. <laughs> and he's gone there on dates, and I'm like, yeah, man, like, what? How is that worth it? It's not worth it. Yeah. Even the ambiance is not worth like fucking three hundred or whatever. But I will say, okay, so the, the it's one it's a scene. It's not about sometimes it's not about the food. It's about it's about the, it's about the status. And, yeah. Uh, some people just do it because they can, and uh, we like to eat food because we're hungry. Right. <laughs> and um, you know, I can go I to. Will, I will say though, the one time it was worth it was uh, a buddy was visiting from LA actually, and he's like, "We got to go to Peter Luger." Um, uh, yeah, the Lugers. I used to live right by there. You've been there, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been there, and you got the, the oh, yeah. Well, that's a separate issue. Um, but did you get the porterhouse? Like the yeah, I mean, you got to You got to do. I love how like every server there is like Russian. <laughs> and they're all like, they walk up, they're like, what, what can I get you to eat? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. You're drinking like this, you're drinking like this kind of like, you're drinking an old fashioned, but it's, you know, it's made, it's not made like, you know, like the people at craft cocktail bars. They make it like the real way that it right. used to be made. And, it, and, and, um, and then they ask you porterhouse and then they ask for how many. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I mean, that's, for, but that's all, that's all sticks. marketing for them. Like, that, yeah, that's man. their deal. Like, what about? I will say, like, I don't even like steak, but goddamn, that was like that was like one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life. Yeah, um, and then I love how they they always they turn a plate upside down, and then they take the porterhouse plate and like angle it on the other plate, so it like is is um, is slanted, and then all the juices like kind of flow to the bottom, so you have like something to dip your steak in. Okay, well, they didn't do that for me. Well, you didn't. I did go for lunch though. I I didn't. Uh, you got a porterhouse for lunch, dude. That's I, I think I think that's actually like more. I think that's well, actually more high lunch, class than going there for dinner. Well, lunch you don't need reservations. Okay. What were you doing in What were you doing in Williamsburg in the afternoon? Like my buddy was visiting from LA, and he was like, "We got to go to Peter Luger," and like I was like, wow. "So it was kind of like a sightseeing thing for him." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you were just saying. Cool. Um, yeah, I went there for dinner. 
that was that was a good experience. That whole like area, they film a lot there. Um, yeah. Uh, all the, like that that one famous scene from uh, American Gangster, you know, where uh, he they're they're stocking that like bookie who has all the cash in his trunk. I know. I know. There's there's one scene I know from that movie. I'm gonna let you finish, and then I'm gonna get into the scene I know. But uh, oh yeah, no, there's like the one scene where um, Richie is uh, and his partner are basically uh, uh, sitting in their car because like a bookie just like parked his car like in this little lot with a fence, and then. Richie wants to doesn't want to be there that long because he has to like go to law. He has to he has like class at night because he's in law school, and um and then they then they they just say fuck it and run up to the car and open the trunk and it's full up with cash. That's one of the like it's like a scene pretty early in the movie, but that's like a block away from Peter Luger's. Um and then they they also film girls there. Like there's so many there's so many uh, scenes from like Master of None, Girls, uh, Orange Is the New Black, like all of those like Louis that one block like Broadway and like that triangle um, right by the river uh, is like in right, every right. major scene from anything that's shot in New York. Damn. Um, yeah. The, uh, the only scene I remember from American gangster is uh, when Idris, Idris Elba's character uh, comes up to Harlem and he's sort of like, I guess he's trying to extort Denzel Washington's character Mm-hmm. He's not having it anymore, and uh, Denzel finally goes confronts him on the street, middle of broad daylight, and uh, my money? pulls a gun, pulls a gun out. Yeah, where's my money? And he's like, pulls a gun out, and then Idris is like, "What are you gonna do, Flank? What are you gonna do, huh? What are you gonna shoot me in broad daylight, Flank? Huh? What are you gonna do, huh?" <laughs> I'm sorry to be laughing at, at death. Um, yeah. But I, I remember that scene very well. I actually just watched American Gangster. I've, I've been on a staycation, so I've, I've watched some movies and read some read some fiction. Nice. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, anyway, so like fancy fancy restaurants. Those are that area, um, Williamsburg. Uh, that area in Williamsburg has a lot of really good low key spots that you can get in with any attire. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot of like, I mean. You know, like Donna's, is that? Yeah, Donna's right there. What's the. Yeah, Donna's um, really good. Uh, OTB. OTB, I love that place. They have like the best, like, chicken and chicken and potatoes, like old Southern style dish. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, for me, it's just like I, I hate getting dressed up and like I'm in a job where I don't have to dress up and like I never, I never have to dress up. In fact, yeah. if, if, there's any sort of wedding I have to like I don't even have a suit that fits me anymore like I gotta get one but yeah. uh, you know mm-hmm. I don't and it's like I'm you know we were talking about you're talking about fancy restaurants but like I kind of feel like there's just as many fancy craft cocktail bars you know um, yeah. where you're gonna spend just as much as you would on dinner as you were as you would on like a few rounds with a, a friend at, like catching up with an old friend Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's it. I, and I, yeah, I do indulge in the, in those sorts of places as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them around the East Village and Lower East Side. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, uh, clean segue into college football segment. Yeah, let's 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 figure out. Let's we're we're kind of learning as we're doing. Let's figure out a good segue from fancy restaurants to college football. Well, so, after, I was, so I was I was at I was at this really awesome place, and then I 
you know, got a great dinner and then I went to go see the Jets game. <laughs> are you making are you making this up? I'm making it up on the top of my head. I was about to say, don't you ever go to a Jets game? <laughs> <laughs> um no, I was gonna my segue was uh if the kids if they win a championship, even though they're not getting paid, the coach might take them out to dinner at a fancy restaurant. Okay. That's a good one. That's sort of weird. I don't even I don't know if they actually do that, but yeah. um so yeah, this is uh, a segment I usually do with uh, the other host. Uh, we're both from Columbus, Ohio. Um, you're apparently not a football fan, or not a college <laughs> no, football fan. I don't know. I don't know a lot about it. Um, well, I'm, I, I grew up in I grew up in Minnesota, and sports is the one thing that I've learned more about heartbreak from sports in Minnesota than from actual romance. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, because <laughs> so many of my teams have like just let me down when I needed them the most. Yeah, and, uh, and it, it's it it, be, it makes it very easy to detach yourself. Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, are there, are there any championships? Um, I mean, from like any of the sports there. Um, the Twins have won the World Series twice. The Minnesota Twins. It's a baseball team. Uh, they're, um, they're, not very, they're not very good. Um, but uh, yeah, they won in '91 and '89. Uh, I think. Okay. Um, if I if I'm incorrect, you can edit that information out. No, I'm gonna leave it in. <laughs> this makes me look like an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah. So I know it's it's fine. Like, look, I I didn't really like the, in in Columbus, Ohio. Like you have like it's they talk about Ohio State football in the announcements at, at school, mm-hmm. like over the PA, like. Um, the east exit is going to be blocked for maintenance, um, and and let's go Bucks. And <laughs> it's because it's it's pretty much all you guys have going on for you there. That's like it's like some serious indoctrin- indoctrination. And yeah, I mean it was it was. I mean no, it still is. I guess because we only have like a pro hockey team. Mm-hmm. Um, the Columbus BJ is that. Um, oh, they're they're NFL or NHL. Yeah. Okay. We have uh, Minnesota has the Minnesota Wild. We're actually pretty pretty decent hockey team, uh, but they have disappointed us as well. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm sure. Um, but no, like it's I like I've I have some some buddies who had season tickets, so I've I've been to a couple of OSU games, and they're they're pretty great. I mean, for me, it's like just like having to like stay and stand around in one place for like three hours is really tough mm-hmm. um because i get really antsy um and it's just like even if the like the game's good i just like i can't just stay in one place yeah for that long yeah. like i can't like I, it's hard for me to like it's hard for me to go to a movie actually really yeah i don't know like i just i, I don't my patience is like it's it's got to be like smartphones like, that's, that's what i'm getting <laughs> that's that's all you got yeah I don't know what are, what are your what are your sporting interests generally in the um, city? I, let's see. Here. Or in the past couple of years, um, I have yet to go to a Yankees game. I really want to, and I really want to check out a Giants game too. Um, yeah. At some point, uh, it was actually really cool. Like the Vikings were doing really well, like the first part of the season, and then they just like completely right. crap the bed. Yeah. But um, like but that. They were going like they were they were like five and zero, oh, and um, it was I was at a I was actually at a Giants bar 
when the Vikings were playing the Giants. And um, everybody there was kind of like looking at us like, you know, we had a table. There was probably like 10 of us. Uh, they're looking at, they're mean mugging you? Yeah, they're mean mugging us because they were just kind of, they were, they were nice, but they were like, it's only because we're going to kick the shit out of you guys. And we're like, okay. And then it got, to, it got to the point where we would get touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And and cheering actually. Oh, man. There's about, about to be some drama up in there? There was about to be some drama, yeah. And, and, oh, shit. And it got, it was, there was nothing more satisfying than beating the Giants in a Giants bar. <laughs> <laughs> and with and, some people uh, you know with some people fight, i know fight, yeah, yeah it was, it was no no drinks were no drinks were thrown um oh, oh they better not but 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 shit was about to go down if we would have stayed any longer yeah um, i mean i oh shit that takes me back oh i um i'm gonna leave out some some parts of the story because my other host is involved with it and <laughs> it was somewhat exactly. serious but the bar that we go to, to or we used to go to, to watch um, OSU football games, um, is when basketball season is going, is apparently like a big Kansas bar. Mm-hmm. And so randomly, OSU was playing Kansas in um, like in the tournament like a few years ago. Yeah. And we didn't know that it was like a, it turned into a Kansas bar. Like, mm-hmm. but it was so heavy. Right. Kansas, like, and we were like the lone, maybe like. There was, I mean, there was four of us at the, in our group, and then maybe like a, another like five other people, but like sure. the rest like packed. Mm-hmm. And so, and Kansas actually won that game, and we were we were trying to go, and then they there's like still harassing us, like even oh, though man. they won, as we're trying to like settle up and shit. Yeah, and like that that actually did turn into like a bit of a thing, like, mm-hmm. but it's like. You fucking won, like you won. What are you doing? Yeah, uh, it's oh man. Um, I uh, my one of my one of my close friends. He's a Michigan fan. Oh god. And um, he went to, he went to Michigan. So you know oh. uh, he had a few friends that lives that live in the city that all went to Michigan. So we went to the Rutgers game. Oh nice. And I took the we we took the we took the train out there and. Um, the amount of like shit people were talking to like us for wearing, you know, I wasn't really wearing, I was wearing like black. Uh, I was kind of trying to maintain my neutral territory, but like, you know, we were walking through the college campus and the amount of shit people were just talking to us. Like, you know, people were like really throwing throwing stuff in the street. Yeah. It was, they're throwing stuff at you. Yeah. Like from, cause there was a lot of like house parties going on. Okay. Um, and we were like walking down the main like university and one of my friends was wearing like a banana. Like what? a banana costume, like a full size banana, because uh, it was like it was yellow and um, okay. I mean, that maybe I mean, if you saw him, if you saw him, you would just laugh, you know, just look. No, at him. Probably, it was it was pretty funny. Um, but you know, people that like sitting on their fronts on their on their stoops and uh, when there's a huge party going on, like cups are thrown oh, across yeah, the yeah. lawn and all that stuff. And then we get to the game and the whole stadium is packed you know like the energy like all of the rucker students were like let's fucking do this you know um and you know it was loud <laughs> do do, then, do what like they were like we're the energy like they were like this is the game that we're gonna disappoint michigan and then <laughs> after like 20 touchdowns and a 78 to zero <laughs> score like michigan winning um the entire place was empty except for like maybe a hundred michigan fans and um, and then like they, so the, the Rutgers stadium 
um, they have like this giant cannon with these Patriots that stand by it, that light it off if a touchdown happens or if like if the beginning of the game or the end of the game happens, they light this big cannon off. Okay. And we were sitting like the, the cannon was in the Michigan fan zone area and they never fucking lit the cannon once because Rutgers never got a touchdown. And the entire time, all the fan, fans started chanting, shoot the cannon. Like that was it. That's all they got. That's all, <laughs> that's they, all they had. All they can so play they, to. And so they, at the end of the game, at the end of the game, the Rutgers, uh, the Rutgers people lit the, lit the cannon off to like signify that that's the end of the game. And everybody fucking went nuts because we were trying to get them to light the cannon so, so far. And it was just the biggest blow I, I had ever seen in a sports game ever. Yeah, that's like, I mean, uh, I don't know what Rutgers is doing in the Big Ten. That's, I mean, that that's going to be like every game. Right. Against any other team is, is going to go like that. But it was on, it was televised too. So, I mean, it probably, you know, <laughs> it was national embarrassment. So were, were you fearing for your safety at any point? After we were done, we could do or say anything we wanted. <laughs> People were... <laughs> Because they were so demoralized. Yeah, just, and, and like, we were actually we actually went to uh, we went to a bar after and and kept our heads cool and uh, bought a bought a round for some Rutgers people around us and they were they were they were nice to us after that but um, we we took the high road. That's good. Yeah. So I guess that was to answer your question. I think that was my 2016 sports memory. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good no. That's a good one. Um... Yeah, I mostly, I mean, I follow college football the most, um, and um, I I did a post on Facebook for OSU, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I got nothing here, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> ju- I just really saying just words. like, I'm just saying words, okay, so let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, sports. I was about to go like, uh, yeah, I've, I was watching OSU. You're getting, you're getting I'm a little fan mad. of because it's Columbus, Ohio. I got uh, it, but man. New York now. Um, <laughs> me. <laughs> sure. So anyway, um, let's go to our last segment. Um, okay. I think we're we're making good time here. So. Doing all right. And, and actually, actually, this is so. This is our our, our most favorite segment, or the fans' favorite segment. It's the conspiracy segment. Oh, I love I love fans. Yeah, good. Um, now, I didn't. This wasn't that well thought out. What the hell is happening? <laughs> was that was that a question? <laughs> um, no. Okay. Okay. So the, the okay. So what I wanted to do is to just talk about like conspiracies in general. Like, and and the, here's the thing: I've been trying to avoid politics in this podcast. Um, uh-huh. Like, understandable. Making a concerted effort to really not get into it. And but this that's topic. In, that's impressive. That's impressive. Knowing. All the stuff that's going on. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but this particular topic is, is about conspiracy theories in general, and there's been some stuff about like how conspiracies may have affected the election. But whatever. Yeah. I mean, this is we. I let's keep it broad. Um, yeah. Which is basically like 
like I like conspiracy. The reason we have a conspiracy segment on this show is because I like them, but I like them as sort of entertainment. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I've read up on, you know, all the big ones, um, mm-hmm. and they're really interesting. And, but, you know, I acknowledge that, you know, even if there was, say, a crime committed or an injustice, yeah, there's nothing you can really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, 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 I'll tiptoe into this. So I read a book about, um, uh, actually, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna back out. I'm gonna back out of that, um, because yeah. Um, about the, the, well, the JFK. Let's just say I I've researched the JFK assassination. Mm-hmm. Pretty, like I read a whole book about. Did you like, see the movie JFK? Uh, you know, I saw it a long time ago. Yeah, that that is full of conspiracy theories. It's, oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, so I guess my 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 main point is that like. It's it's frustrating because there's not really anything you can do about them, but also like conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. are, they get really frustrated when people don't believe them, even though they don't really have like evidence because they're not trained investigators. Most people, yeah. most people aren't, and yeah. so they go by what investigation skills they see on TV or movies yeah. about you know. And then they get upset when people don't believe them, mm-hmm. and that's—I mean—I mean—I guess that's the thing. It's like if you're going to present a conspiracy theory, you need to do your due diligence, and you need to check your sources. Yeah. And you can't get angry if people want to scrutinize it. Yeah. Because the truth will always stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. Uh, I, I there's so many I, there's so many great um, entertaining. Uh, conspiracy theories on YouTube uh, that right. you can, I could just watch for watch for watch for hours. But um, I, whenever I, whenever whenever it comes to those theories, I always think about it more uh, a little bit more like Socratically, where I try to put myself in that person's head and like see where they're coming from. And one of the first things that like hits me is if you have a theory or a conspiracy theory of that you believe in so much, like picture how excited that person was at one point, you know, where like something hit them, they were at a bar, they were having a conversation with somebody and then like they said something then like a spark, you know, ignited. And it's, I don't think that it's anything too far off from having a really good idea or like, you know, getting a, uh, an idea for like a really good, you know, sketch that you want to write. Right. Um, where you're like, that's, that's it. That's what I want to do. And then they go and they, they put just as much passion into making this theory that, and obviously they're not as educated, but like, it could be like, if you, if they weren't actually serious about it, it could probably be a good novel, you know, Uh, or like a good idea for a story with like, you know, changing like the the subject matter just a little bit to make it more of like a, a, a non, uh, a, a fake, a fake universe that's happening. Right, like, right, right, right. Um, and, and that's the thing that I get. And and they, but then they just they keep going, and then they they have to they have to voice themselves immediately because the thing that happens to me, especially like I don't I don't come up with conspiracy theories, but when I have an idea at least, and I get the same like spark where I get excited about it, I want to put it out there as fast as possible. Yeah. 
You know, like you want to just make that it. Is, yeah, no, that's really interesting. That's, you, that's you a wanna great point. It, yeah, you, you want to make it and you want to get it out in the world as fast as possible because you had this great thought and you had this great thing and you're like, if when people see this, they're gonna go crazy. Yeah, and then you know, and then you then you realize you didn't put as much time into it as you should have because you were just right. so like into the fact of making something and getting it out there, and then you're like, oh, if only I would have done this, or if I would have made this change, or if I would have done, you know. But then it's too late because right. it's already out there. So this person now, like they had the same amount of passion, but because it had to do with politics or it had to do with, you know, nine 11 or, or the, right. the, the election or whatever, like now they're just labeled and their passion of how they think it's like, now they're just like, Oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist and, and you yeah, can just and shut your mouth. It's a, and it's a, it's a, um, it's a vicious cycle because that, that emboldens them, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe if, if somebody was there to tell them that if they could just alter their story a little bit, maybe they'd be a really good fiction writer. You know, yeah, that's you got to steer this energy in, in a in a productive in a productive way direction. It, as long as you came up with the answer, it doesn't even it doesn't matter how you got there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, but man, like I, I always remember, like the you know the nine eleven conspiracy theorists, where they were like, you know, the planes were um, like Russian planes or something. You know, or right, right. <laughs> like yeah. they're like all black. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, so much, but. Yeah, that's my no. opinion on, on the topic. That's it. No, that that is a really cool point because yeah, I can totally like uh, relate to like when I come up with a good idea for a sketch or mm-hmm. or something like yeah, like I want to get this going right away, and then right. you know when I start doing like my due diligence, it's like ah oh, man, like it's you know it's it's a lot of work. It, yeah. it is, and like the thing is, like most of these people are, I mean, most people generally are just. I don't know if lazy is the right word, but like, well, it, it, it's, it's not, uh, it, yes, it's, it's, the, they don't it's, have the tools to really, they don't have the tools, but also at the same time, like this era that we're living in has made everything so temporary right. that everything needs to be consumed within the length of a headline. Yeah. Nobody will actually read the whole article. They will just see something that sparks and evokes some sort of a reaction. Right. And when you see something that you don't approve of, even if it's not true at all, you're gonna fucking react to it, and you're gonna like, you know, if you're, you know, like, there's a lot of um, um, people like in the, you know, in the Midwest that feel like they were forgotten and stuff, and and they're just gonna they're gonna voice themselves because this is like their time to to, right. to, to talk about it more. But you know, you know, it it, it it's all we're all like a product of. It's not just conspiracy theories. It's it's not just it, it's just the way that the media has turned everything into such short form exactly yeah segments like, of information that you will make a decision based on what you see without digging in to anything and and, and people don't see the value of research. They yeah, it's the they, there's, there's the the appreciation of nuance and 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 Ira Glass on This American Life like had a whole entire segment about his fear of what's going to happen to journalism because journalists and their research now are started like people are starting to doubt people who have like uh, writers yeah. who have who have a really well educated backed story yeah. and and you're having people that are making claims just to make claims and then can change their mind and can you yeah, know and, and, and now it's just like it's more about evoking a reaction and just saying anything now like that's what everything has turned into like it, that's why south you know south park can have episodes about any subject matter and nobody will care because that's just who they are 
And, and eventually, like, if you start off who you are as just a person who says the most random things, or if you're a show like, you know, um, uh, uh, Nick Andre's show, like, like, where it's just, you know, that's just who they are. And people will eventually just accept it. But it, whereas if you position yourself as a well, um, um, well formulated, well articulated uh, uh, right. uh, type of person, people are going to hold you to that. And if you ever go against that, then they'll then they'll freak out because it's against the norm. But like the second you do any, but it, it's always important to. Um, I don't know if this is making sense, but it's it's important to if you're going to be a certain persona, um, whatever it is, you need to establish that as early as possible. So, but eventually, when people get used to it, that's what they'll they'll expect. Yeah. The second that you go against that, that's what people react to. So it's like now everybody's always expecting things in the media to be extreme one way or the other. But the second that it's like, you know, let's, let's try yeah, to take these short things and like, unify it. Yeah. And, and like a good report about something like that. And that's the, the scary thing is that like people are like, you know, the New York times isn't perfect, but like they have the money and resources to fund like a good investigation and good yeah. journalism. And that's going away. And that's like really scary. It's it's all it's all it's all. But what I think, um, I always had. I I, this is not maybe this is a conspiracy theory of my own. Go for it. Um, And how, uh, at least for for advertising's sake, um, so much of what used to be considered like really good writing was, you know, like the writer would, he would treat punctuation seriously, you know, uh, he was all about, you know, the, the, the well-crafted short, um, uh, strong sentences that were, uh, uh, well thought of, you know, and then all of a sudden, like the internet started turning language into something more of a, a, a not an expression, but more of like a, um, like all of the, the short, like the short acronyms, like started becoming a thing, yeah, yeah. and misspellings became cool. And right. pretty soon, if you were a brand on Twitter, you couldn't get anybody's attention unless you wrote improper sentences and lowercase punctuation, yeah. and started talking like people, like like young, like a young audience, and that would that was right. what differentiated you. And then eventually, every brand started writing that way, and now it's getting to the right. point where people are so sick of hearing that because they think it's just done to appeal to a younger audience without, you know, actually like without thinking about the craft of writing that I think it's going to be cool again to, to, to write with craft to go back. Yeah. And to go back to the formal way and everything kind of cycles like that. Like, I think that's, that's, you know, um, that's, that's how comedy evolves. Like it, it all comes back in, in, in a vicious kind of circle, you know, where, you have to, in order to stand out you have to do the opposite and yeah. that's what keeps everything rotating and um and uh it's a little bit off from the from the conspiracy theory topic yeah. but in no, general no, like, that's I, great. Think, I think all opinions shift because the thing that stands out is what is different than everything else and then eventually when people see that that works then everybody follows it and then in order to be different again then you have to jump back to the other way yeah, and that's that's why I'm going to get into um, just doing stand up naked in socks. Yeah, <laughs> they do naked stand up, you know. What? There, uh, a friend of mine. She 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 does a she does a podcast, and her co host, um, 
has done naked stand up before. Naked <laughs> I forgot show. what the uh, I forgot, yeah. I forgot what the uh what the topic was, but um or not the topic, I forgot what the the show was called, but it yeah, it, it exists. Fuck. <laughs> but, I, but I don't think it's I don't think I don't think it's gotten I don't think it's got the attention of the mass audience that it needed. Okay. Well, I'm doing maybe maybe for stand up, maybe for stand up what we're talking about is um like why Louis became so successful and because he eventually, you know, if you ever like hear him talk, it's, you know, he eventually had a family and he had to feed his kids. And so he had to start, he had to really start taking his job seriously. So he, you know, he found his, the honesty about, you know, raising a family about like timeless subjects about how he really feels about something versus like the political, the PC stuff that people think is, that needs to be said. Well, he's, he's, He'd been around for a while, and actually, I'm gonna we, we're gonna wrap up here, and okay. I'm just gonna say one one thing, and then I'll let you say the last thing. Oh, yeah. Um, that's how you host things. Um, yeah, that's and a good host right there. The first season of Louis, like, I'm not a huge fan of the show, but mm-hmm. I really I love that he's like he's in a position, and I was saying this about um, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Atlanta. I love when an artist gets a lot of money to do exactly what they want. What they want to do, basically. Yes. Um, but the first season, there was an episode where he goes on a date and he gets bullied mm-hmm. by this high school kid. Yep, I remember that. That that struck with that. Like I don't know why. Like that stuck with me. That show was so powerful, and that scene. I remember that very specifically. And then he kind of had that uh, that moment of growing up where he was able to confront that guy. Yeah and uh do what he always wanted to do and came yeah. out on top and i i i like that but well, he did it he did it I mean, well the, he didn't really he, the, his still, date left him yeah his date left yeah, him and like, then the guy's still, think... guy still a working dj and he's you know struggling as a music manager but um it's so it's like there's so many shows that were out there that were about like you know the the up-and-coming person and you know how they try to achieve success right. and they always focus on like the good and the positive and I feel like Atlanta really focuses on a lot of the negative and the downside of things that you don't pay attention to yeah. when it comes to the struggle of making it and uh, uh, it, it it really really touched something and in, in Louis Louis show like he got to make what he wanted because he didn't take the the max amount of money that they offered him he took the minimum amount because yeah. because when he said or when they said if we give you X amount of million dollars to make this, we're gonna, the studio is going to have much more input on right, what comes right. out. Whereas if you take the minimum amount, you can do whatever you want. And so he, you know, edited the show, wrote, wrote the show all himself. Like he, you know, and he got to make what he wanted to make. And so if you get a lot of money to make something like Atlanta, I think that's beautiful. Um, but it also can be done if you can find a way. Yeah, I can't believe Lou is editing that on his own. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, his... did you see? Did you see his? Uh, did you see Horace and Pete? You know, I haven't. Um, should really you? check that out. It's uh, some it powerful shit. It sounded really dark. It's really dark and it's really depressing, but there's some really good moments and like it's just it's 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 written like a play, um, right? And there's like an intermission and stuff and and uh, it his, oh, his good. material yeah, his I material the, yeah you can the see the, you see the evolution you see the evolution of of uh, of his material you know how he goes to like the. Uh, more poppy jokes to like the real stuff and now it's just getting more dark and more gritty and because it's like the real honest things that people really say but um not everybody has the courage to say it out loud and the reason that you know a comedian can be successful or the reason a show can be successful 
is because they're willing to say or talk about the thing that nobody's willing to talk about themselves. And that's what makes honest advertising good. That's what makes honest, you know. Yeah, honest, dude. And versus just doing that slapstick joke shit. Like when I was doing stand-up, it was, uh, you know, you go through that process of, you know, writing the corniest jokes ever. And then you tell them on stage and you tell them so many times in a row that you kind of start getting through that and you start realizing like what people really react to. And, um, and, uh, 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 and, and it's more about like looking people in the eye, saying what's really on your mind, having a voice, but like letting people know who you are. And, and, uh, like if you do sketch too, like the, 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 when somebody sees something that you wrote, they should know that it came from, it's like your style of something. And, uh, and having that voice is really, really, really important, but that's what helps you get that attention you know and that's because it's the willingness to bite the bullet and and be the first one through the wall you know damn that's that's bars that's straight bars hell yeah man audience all right well let's drop the mic on that <laughs> i'm good with it man you good all right yeah. that's that's uh this was this was fun thank you thank you for coming on yeah no worries man uh, uh cool i'm gonna stop recording and we'll chat later all right sweet visceralist